Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. 2018 is a year investors would sooner forget. The S&P 500 fell 6%, its worst drop in a decade. What does 2019 hold for investors? Here to help us answer that question is Ken Fisher of Fisher Investments. And Ken, thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. I want to start with earnings because we're in the middle of earnings season right now. And so far, it's been a mixed bag. Some companies are out with guidance warnings. What are your expectations for this earnings season? So think of the way you asked the question, Alexis, because I think that's partly including the answer to the question. People, I think, are going to be paying much more attention to the guidance than to the earnings. That mm-hmm. is, earnings, by definition, are backward-looking. The guidance, by definition, is forward-looking. What we've been doing for quite some time, uh, I mean, throughout most of this bull market, is having earnings exceed analyst estimates while guidance talks down the future so it's easier for management to beat future estimates. When you get to where we are right now, the fact is that around the world, tied to the decline in the fourth quarter in the stock market and things that have gone on with that, you've got a lot of people that are nervous. So as they're nervous, managements, which are built of people who are partly human, tend to become more afraid. And as they, when I say afraid, nervous, they they react somewhat like humans react. And as they do that, they want to set the bar lower for themselves to future jump over. And I believe that that guidance will then be a further reinforcement of people being nervous. But again, one of the reasons that earnings tend to steadily beat estimates is because management tends to talk down the future regularly to make it easier for management. One of the worst things you can do if you're at you know, top of a publicly traded company is to fail to meet earnings estimates, and so they talk them down. The, 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 the bigger issue in my mind looking forward is what are we actually going to see in the global economy? And I think there it'll be markedly stronger than people think it'll be. Really? Now, why is that? I mean, we, we still have uh, a lot of questions lingering around Brexit. We have a slowdown happening in China and Japan. Why are you uh, optimistic on the global economy? So th- the way I would think about that is just break the world down into some simple things. Leading economic index numbers for major blocks of the world. Uh, I'm talking about the conference board numbers. And there, for example, you can see a clear dichotomy between what people are talking about in Europe and what the leading economic index numbers would show should be ahead for Europe. Uh, Then I'd put my, as I'm saying in this uh, week's USA Today, I put my belts and suspenders on, and I'd look at PMI numbers for the Uh, particular countries that people have had the most concern about. And for the most part, they're not too bad. If not too bad, they're better than people expected them to be uh, while they keep being talked down. So if you look, for example, uh, at the Eurozone, uh, the LEIs are very high. If you look at a place like Germany that had a weak third quarter and then poor November numbers, the actual December PMI numbers came out nicely positive uh, and above expectations. 
those functions, I think, point to us, when you put them all together, point to lots of nervousness, which is, of course, priced into the market now, fear, fear's good, in terms of being the difference between reality and expectations, the market driver, and then a future reality that may not be gangbusters, but will be growth when what people really fear is recession. As I've said often, repeatedly, over and over again, the aftermath of bad years in the stock market is always good to great years, more often great years, unless you get global recession or global world war. There's no tinge of anything now that would speak to global world war, but if we were to have uh, global recession, you'd have to see those LEI numbers come down. What about all this talk of recession here in the U.S. We've had a number of market watchers predict that we could see a recession in 2020, maybe even a mild one at that. What are your thoughts? Could Is that a, a real possibility? Well, the way you frame the question, the answer is, of course, is it a possibility? Yes. Uh, is it uh, possible that, um, I don't know, Robert De Niro is elected president of the United States in 2020? <laughs> of course it's possible, but the odds of that, I would say, are low. And uh, the, well, What the, are the, the odds, Ken, that we talk ourselves into a recession, that people, zero. regular zero. consumers, start zero. hearing all this and they say, wow, you know, maybe I should hold on to my money because, you know, recession that's could the, be coming. That, that's the age-old self-fulfilling prophecy concept, and in fact— uh, consumer sentiment has never been a forecaster. Uh, of recessions. Of recessions, of the mm -hmm. stock market. Uh, as as it, Mayor Statman and I did a, a paper on that in the Journal of Portfolio Management a long time ago, showing that the uh, consumer sentiment numbers simply are non-predictive. Uh, the fact that, I, and I get the notion that it's so human to believe we could talk ourselves into problems the fact of the matter is we don't really exist. We aren't a thing. Everybody, every entity, every individual and every individual institution are things, all of whom are self-interested, whether they want to accept that or not, whatever self-interested means for them, and operate on their own individual paths, not collectively. So the fact is people will say routinely at times like that, boy, the world's going to be terrible, but I have this opportunity over here, and I'm going to go do this thing over there. Mm -hmm. And that's really the way the world works. The, the, a, a lot of this kind of notion that there's a top-down self-fulfilling prophecy, which people have talked about all my life, and I'm an old goat, uh, has n never actually ever been something that worked in either the marketplace or the economy. Uh, we talk ourselves into these funny things. Let me point out a point that, that I'm kind of strong on. Take, for example, the discussions about yield curve, which mm -hmm. are rampant uh, in America, have been all throughout 2018. The main discussion in 2018 was the two-year versus the 10-year, as you know. If you go back two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, when people would talk about the yield curve, they never talked about the two versus 10. They, mm -hmm. and, and in fact, if you look at the yield curve, it's almost forever, not forever, but almost forever, been one of the LEI components, both in America and outside of America. But it was never the 2 and 10. It isn't the 2 and 10. It was always some version, 
and what used to always be talked about was some version of the 10 versus very short term because most bank borrowing is done very short term as a basis for making long-term loans. Right. And that's really the function of banking, and that's really the function of why the yield curve is important. And so what have we done in this time period? We've looked for a problem. We've said the 2 and 10 is important. Now, in fact, in history, the 2 and 10 have been inverted many times before and usually don't cause a recession. Mm-hmm. But it's the, it's the other, which hasn't inverted, might, but the fact that we're looking for a problem, looking for a problem is bullish. Looking around the corner for a ghost is bullish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is uh, we actually have four instances of the yield curve inverting with no subsequent recession. And when that's happened, again, the stock market's been gangbusters. Ken, I, what should we be looking at then if, if it's not the 2 and the 10? I, I think, as I've kind of implied, on the one hand, you want to look at the LEI for the United States, the major European countries, Eurozone as a whole, China, Japan, uh, outside of the Eurozone, Britain separately. And then you want to be short-term looking at M- – PMIs as they come out, because they come out right after the end of the month, every month, to, to, and not just manufacturing PMIs. Note one of the points that's happened recently is people focus mostly on manufacturing PMIs, whereas in most of the world, uh, manufacturing is a small component of uh, total economy. Let me just go on a tangent on that one for a second. On mm-hmm. Friday, uh, Bloomberg story about how the PMI, manufacturing PMI in Italy had turned negative, and this was a sign that Italy might be going into a, a recession because uh, of the negative Italian PMI, manufacturing PMI. The fact is manufacturing in Italy is 17% of Italian GDP, and the services and construction PMIs are nicely positive, and the odds of that actually, as you put them together, leading to a negative total PMI for Italy is effectively zero, but the focus mm-hmm. is on the negative. What I would be focused on right now is trying to see opportunity cost, trying as long as LEIs remain strong, uh, high and rising, particularly in the United States and the Eurozone, I'd be focused on opportunity because we've been through a bad time. Bad times are followed by good times unless you get global recession or you get global world war. I don't think we're going to get global recession. You're not going to get global recession with high and rising LEIs. And we're not about to get global world war. It's pretty simple. So the, the main problem people ought to focus on, which is ironic, is opportunity cost. So if bad years are followed by good or great years, what's 2019 in your mind? A good year or a great year? And define that for us. Well, I think beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. But uh, if you think through a point that I don't think most people think through, it should be a great year by most people's standards, and great would be in the high side of getting over the hurdle of, of double-digit positive. So w- my view, as uh, I forecasted in my weekly USA Today column, is we ought to have a year that's 15, 20, 25 percent or more. I think most people would think that's a great year, and the reason that I say that includes the following that people don't focus on much. The bottom in December said simply, for either a correction or a bear market was the bottom closest to the end of the year of any bear market in measurable history for the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. If you think of that, I mean, that's the, the Christmas Day bottom. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, a Christmas Day gift from that, 
is that then the 2019 calendar year is an almost perfect reflection, if history were to pertain perfectly, of rolling 12-month periods from the past. When we've had corrections in the past, the average 12-month rolling period after that correction uh, has been 34%. When we've had corrections of 15% or more, it's been 42%. When we've had years that were negative 5 to positive 5, which is pretty close to what we've got here, a little, little up, little down, uh, you've had 22%. No matter how you slice history, the 12 months after this bottom should be pretty good unless you get those other global disaster features. As long as you would expect a downturn to make people fearful as it's been, but think through the way someone might think in the period, say, December 3rd. Market's, mm -hmm. a, market's about to drop 10%. They're forecasting a, a year ahead, let's say, at that moment of in time, in their thinking of positive 5 for 2019. The market drops 10% in a sharp, straight-down line. What should they think of for 2019 after that? Well, they should probably think, if they actually believe nothing had really changed, 5 plus 10 to a mm -hmm. rounding error which would give them 15. Uh, in my mind, that's not a big expectation. 15's not big, 20's not big from here. 25 starts to get bigger, but it would not be unreasonable considering history to see 35 or more. Am I predicting 35 or more? I'm not predicting anything in particular, but that's a great year. Any of that's so a great year. If 2019 is gonna be a great year, what sectors do you see us um, sort of rallying there. Where, where will the leadership come from in this market? The stupid ones. Stup <laughs> stupid is good. At, at, at late in a bull market, the kinds of stocks that typically do best are what I would kind of call the big easy. The ones that are smoothies in terms of growth, that even though uh, the valuations may seem high, They've got a great story. They're perceived of as having great management. They have what uh, somebody might think of as some kind of a franchise that gives them more than just stability but some growth so that the last greatest fool who gets into the marketplace, who was too afraid to own anything before, can feel comfortable owning them. The person who all throughout this bull market has been too afraid to own stocks that person isn't going to go and have their initial purchases be super risky ones. They're not going to buy some turnaround. They're not going to buy something that's uh, thought of as highly levered. They're not going to buy anything that's got any hair on the dog. They're going to want to buy something where they can say to themselves, now I can see forever. Of course, they can't, and they'll be kind of sorry for that later on down the road. But through the course of the last phase of a long bull market and early in a bear market, the kinds of stocks that typically do best are those, which would include a lot of the big high-quality tech, big pharma. These are the same categories that led things up until October. Right, right. Okay, it's a, so you it's see a return to the big easy. A, ro a rotation to back to the return of the big easy. All right. What about opportunity outside U.S. equities? Where might you? Where might people park their money? So let me just make a couple of comments about outside of America in big blocks. 
The one big block that people just generally are very, very negative on right now is uh, Europe. And uh, there's a general fear of Germany, France, Italy, for all the normal reasons that people talk about, each for their own causes. Uh, but when you look at the things that you and I have talked about earlier today, my view is Europe is ripe for surprise. The hardest one to actually uh, deal with uh, in a predictive sense is China. And China, of course, had a terrible year last year in the market. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of the points that people don't think about when they think of the non-U.S. world, uh, America is blessed to have both uh, the biggest stock market but also the most diverse stock market and the most diverse economy. And in that, uh, there's a simple rule when you move away from America and then Britain and Japan, which is that almost always the five largest stocks make up almost half the money value of the country or more. And mm -hmm. so when you look at China, the five largest stocks uh, do make up half the m money value of the country. And in that, uh, you get down to entanglement between whether it's the country or whether it's those stocks. My bias is that China is exceptionally hard to predict, and sometime in 2019 it gets a turnaround, but I'm not quite sure fully when that is because there's so much um, political orientation toward what happens with China. But in particular, Europe should be strong. We, we're going to somehow put the Brexit thing behind us. How? Mm -hmm. I don't know. When exactly? I don't know. But in 2019, that's going to happen, and that should help British stocks. I don't think as much necessarily as continental Europe, but I, I for sure think that that fits in where you can find high-quality European stocks. All right. We're going to leave it there. Ken Fisher of Fisher Investments, thanks for sharing your thoughts on the market and where we're headed in 2019. Thanks for having me, Alexis. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.